Hey everybody, welcome to, I think, episode 5 of the Max Out Podcast. Jesus, I can't even believe we're still doing this. I love it to death, but man, I would not have guessed that I would have actually stuck with this. Same with Vin. But it's just me this week, um, considering the holidays and both of us being really busy. Um, I had this pre-recorded interview, great interview with uh, Luke Dalbert. Anybody on TikTok might know who he is. He's always commenting on my videos. We're always reaching out, shouting each other back and forth. And great guy, great guy, very, very smart, very intelligent. Um, I'd consider him a, a very, very, very solid connection in the weightlifting world. And um, here's an interview with him. Um, it was recorded on December 20th, I believe, and or the 16th, 16th, 16th. And um, he dropped some knowledge, and I found it to be very, very informative and i think you guys can benefit the same way that i did from it and huge shout out to luke for hopping on here and yeah let's get into it and thank you guys so much please keep supporting please keep following um keep sharing keep doing what you guys do best so that uh vin and i can keep making this show peace luke what's going on man how you doing will what's up uh nothing much just uh had a solid day still uh still tapering down a little bit um body's feeling decent uh better each day um uh give me give me a little introduction about yourself obviously i know you but um you know just uh where you're from what you do how you got into olympic lifting if you have any background in sports all that stuff yeah so i am from louisiana i've lived right outside of baton rouge for a large majority of my life okay Growing up, I played every sport you could think of. I wrestled, I threw in track and field. I hate running and jumping, so uh, jumping's okay, but I hate running, so I never did any of that. Yeah. Uh, football, basketball, I sucked at baseball, but I played it for years. And it kind of turned into I didn't know what to do with myself. So I just ended up powerlifting for like a year or two. Mm. And that led to meeting people that led me to an owner of a CrossFit gym uh, right outside of Baton Rouge, about 30 minutes outside my house. And he played college ball, but he, as a high schooler, he was trained by coach hatch. He ended up taking me to meet him at one of the meets that I just went in blind. And like, I think I had done cleans for high school. I'd never snatched or jerked. And I went in and I did the meet, you know, obviously it was a local meet, so I did well. It wasn't, yeah. it, it, it isn't hard in Louisiana. It's not yeah. like Florida. Yeah, I gotcha. But, you know, coach pulled me aside and was like, hey, you know, have you ever done this before? I said, nope, I've never done any of this. He said, all right, I want you to start coming here next Monday. I was like, all right, coach. And then I just tried, I showed up there for like three and a half years. Jesus. Well, I mean, that's actually, I'm kind of in a similar I kind of got started in a similar way. So I started with, with, um, I guess I've never really, really talked about this on here, how I really got into Olympic lifting. So I started powerlifting for football. I did power cleans all the time. I was never coached right. And then last week we had, or I don't know when I'm going to put this out, but, uh, the last episode before recording this one, we had, uh, my strength and condition coach and, and club coach on there. And then he came in as my high school strength and condition coach, the spring of my freshman year of high school. And he taught me how to clean the right way. He taught me how to snatch the right way. Um, really just taught me how to lift the right way. 
um, on everything. And, and I just kind of stuck with that. And then I don't know if you know this, but Florida has high school weightlifting. So we yes. uh, compete in the bench, in the clean and jerk. They did just introduce snatch though. They did. Don't ask me why. It like it. It doesn't count. Wait, hold up. Was it? Is it just the bench and the clean and jerk? Yeah, yeah. It was. It was. Listen. It was that's started weird, by like, like. It was started by a, a bunch of football, style. bunch of football coaches. Uh, none of those guys could snatch. Obviously, a vast majority of high school athletes in general, let alone football players, can snatch. They know how to clean, so they figured, ah, we'll have them do the clean and jerk to get that aspect of weightlifting. And then every football player knows how to bench. Everyone knows how to bench, even if it's crappy. Everyone exactly, can exactly. And uh, the clean being the more uh, the more simple of the two of the three Olympic lifts, uh, they just stuck with that. And and I've I've seen so many muscled up reverse curl cleans, and I've seen so many just push presses or strict presses. I watched a kid. There was a kid who I competed against. He benched. He was a sophomore in high school. I was a junior. He benched 370, and then he basically, for his clean and jerk, he, only, he could only clean 225. But he – like press it. Strict press, basically. So, I yeah. I don't get it, but that's how I got started. And then I, I, uh, I was looking at a place to practice cleaning, and I ended up in this CrossFit gym because I knew CrossFit gyms had, had those facilities. And I didn't even know plates. Yeah, exactly. And I didn't even know what I walked into and I just, I didn't know the owner or anything like that. And I went in and I met his wife and they signed me up and everything. And it apparently it happened to be, I don't know if you know his name, Neil Canterman. Um, It sounds the the last name Canterman sounds familiar. Yeah. He's uh, I know he does a lot with USAW. I know he's been a judge at, at a number of national meets. Um, Great guy. Great guy. Um, And it ended up being his CrossFit gym. Uh, he works with uh, Team OC, Oli Concepts. And oh, I, okay. that's where I know his name from. Exactly. All right. So I had no idea who this guy was. And uh, I remember his wife who signed me up there for like a month. I was I went for like two months. And sorry about that, Neil, if you're listening to this. I didn't know that like I was supposed to keep paying, but whatever. Uh, that's a business side of things. That's kind of irrelevant. Um, I feel bad about that. But yeah, and, and his wife goes uh, – you don't know what you just walked into. And I was just kind of like, okay, lady, like whatever, just let me lift. And then he's giving me all these tips and techniques. And then I'm looking at him up and I'm seeing all the stuff that he's done working with, with Danny Camargo and, and all this stuff. And I'm like, wow. And then he taught me how to clean uh, better. He really taught me how to snatch better. Um, And then coach Stucky saw that. And then he was like, crap, I'm about to lose. Will I got to get my own club started so we can compete through that. And then, that's how me and him started our club or his club. So as a strength conditioning professional, the scariest thing is having the athletes that aren't bought in see athletes that are currently bought in going somewhere else for information and somewhere else to get better because yeah. then they pop with them. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, under, I understand that from a coaching perspective mm-hmm. and ju- just for the audience, like I've been a strength conditioning coach or at some level, uh, weightlifting or fitness coach for about six years now. Yeah. And like, that is absolutely, especially for a close knit group. And mm-hmm. you said this was your freshman year. Yeah. So they didn't, y'all didn't really have a full, like a real relationship with them yet. Whenever you did yeah. that. Yeah. This was actually, this was a couple years in. And again, oh, I, really? 
yeah, but I didn't know what I was getting into. And Coach Stuckey had my clean right, and he had my snatch solid, and it was right. But me, I wasn't really picking up on things. And I didn't even – I was snatching and cleaning in Chuck Taylor's. Um, yeah. So uh, – and then I and then I went there, and I'm seeing – he had his little Oli lifting class, and, and uh, everybody's wearing shoes, uh, like lifting shoes and, and knee sleeves and wrist straps, and I'm like, what is this right now? I don't even know what's going on, but, um, and, and I think that's just cause coach Stuckey was at his, uh, he would only been, he'd only been a strength and conditioning coach on his own and an Olympic lifting coach on his own for like two or two years or so at that point. So that kind of gave him a kick in the butt. And I didn't even know that until he told me that last week, that that was why he really got, got that club started. Um, but he's, developed i've watched him as much as i've developed as an athlete i've seen him develop as a coach which is insane and it's great to see um but yeah that's that's kind of how i got into things um similar similar deal just former athlete football player just trying to get stronger and then i fell in love with lifting but back to what you were talking about with gail hatch so what really for the audience what really was his uh his methodology uh so it if anybody listening has ever heard or read about west side it's very very similar not what they do but the atmosphere so the whole program revolves around him and the atmosphere at the gym the whole gym is surrounded by 50 different national championship banners going back to the 60s like team banners usa weightlifting open nationals like juniors, men's, like, and then some women's. He has his all-star Hall of Fame, which he has famous running backs, pole vaulters. Uh, uh, work done is on there. He has different, like, he had three three different participants in, in the Olympics, one in 84, one in 88, and one in 92. And they still would show up and just randomly come watch practice. Mm-hmm. And then he had two squad members, which is alternates. Yeah. One in 2000, and then, sorry, three. One in 2000, one in 04, and one in 08. Wow. So he has a culture of just producing the best. And then if you were from the Baton Rouge area and you played D1 ball in the summer, you came there to lift. So the, when you go there, there is there were six, there were almost 40 Olympic lifting platforms with Jesus. all the bars and plates were from the 60s and 70s. Oh, my God. But it was amazing. The The stands we took our squats from, if you go back on my TikTok, some of my videos, you'll see the actual, like, padded part of the platforms is old conveyor belts from different factories. <laughs> we, we use old car stands as squat stands. Jesus. I mean, whatever works. And yeah. I, I see that's where that, uh, that west side kind of uh, uh, way of doing things. Maybe not not training wise, but but in what you said in the attitude and stuff, that's definitely where that yeah. comes from. You also Pretty. you don't miss, you don't miss, don't miss. You get kicked, you get kicked out, you you get told not to come back. That's fair. You don't play, you don't play music. I watched a kid put in a, he brought in like a Bluetooth speaker one time, mm-hmm. and coach picked it up and chucked it about 60, <laughs> 60 feet and broke it. He said, "What the hell is that?" He they actually had a. a audio system in the gym and he cut the wires and our portion of it 
just so we couldn't have it. Uh, but it was just like a culture of excellence. So being around people like that mm-hmm. made the program. Oh, but as far as the methodology goes, he would, the way he ran things is he would have uh, days assigned by different types of stress. So you might know this, but the Olympic lifts, while they put stress on the body, they don't yeah. put as much stress on the musculature, the joints, tendons, and ligaments, unless you count the overhead aspect, as do the power lifts, like the squats and the presses and the pulls. So he basically would separate them. So, uh, like, I'll go over an example week, and this would fluctuate, right? Yeah. Uh, but let's say a beginner, kind of intermediate, you know how to lift, but you need, but you can improve just by doing the lifts themselves. Monday, you'll come in and jerk like triples until you can't you'll clean you'll clean triples until you can't you'll snatch triples till you can't and then you do four sets of five on snatch pulls at 100 and 110 percent for two of each of those sets do isometric holds and snatch pull and the snatch deadlift at the knee for a couple sets of 10 seconds and then you'll go do some auxiliary work and core that it would typically take about two to three hours depending on how many athletes we had uh tuesday would be more the muscul- musculoskeletal system. So Coach Hatch, is, if you ever looked up a, co- a Gail Hatch squat program, it's completely wrong. That's not how we did it. We I've never done more than eight reps working with Coach, and that was only either as punishment mm-hmm. or as a way to just kind of kill you. Now a shock to the system to kind of give you a little reset, yeah. uh, but I'll get into that later. But so we would back squat five sets of three up to 101% of our best triple. And then we would immediately take, go immediately into front squats and have five sets or four sets of five between, uh, between 65 and 85% of that best back squat triple. Oh my God. That's just. And, and then we would work up for four sets of five on strict press, mm-hmm. four sets of three on push press up to as heavy as we can go for the day. And then, and then push jerks. And then we would bench overhead press with dumbbells as well as do like some upper back accessories so basically you're almost working to exhaustion every day no, you you are and but yeah. we, we took frequent deloads like you weren't able to last on the program for more than two or three weeks and Ooh. that's how he found your level of recovery because if you weren't hitting records it was time for a deload or it was time that's for fair. some variety that's fair but there were also a lot of technical aspects like we had our complexes and jerk mm-hmm. assistance on wednesday as well as our very, very heavy deficit stiff leg deadlifts and high, high box step-ups. Anytime we did step-ups, it was always with a damn 20-inch box. <laughs> always. Oh, my God. Like it, would be, it would be almost deeper than what, I would squat, what you would normally squat to. Yeah, yeah. That's – that just sounds like it's on another level. I've always, always wanted to – I don't know if my body could handle that type of training right now you build up the tolerance to it. It's not something you just, yeah, you just go right into start. it. Of course. Of yes. course. Of course. Yeah. That's uh, I've always wanted to hop on a program like that, but I feel like that's going to be something that I'll venture off it's into not, once I get into, once I get into, uh, I understand it. I'm not saying I'm going to go, I'm going to go walk into Gail Hatch's gym and be like, I want to live with you for a week. No, I mean, I want to, I want to hop on a, on a block or, I guess a full cycle, full 12 week cycle where I'm at that intensity just to see where it takes my body. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah. I'm just, I, I, 
I've always wanted to. I've never done that just because that's never been my coach's methodology. And, and again, that kind of brings me to my next point. Like of all, there's so many different like weightlifting methodologies, you know, um, whether it's like you, what you were trained under, what I was trained under, um, you got like Bulgarian trains of thought, Russian trains of thought, like, what do you think? And I, this is very, this is a very uh, hot topic, hot topic and subjective topic or, or opinionated topic because it, every person's different really. And there's no such thing as a perfect program, but no, what, what would you think is the most universal school of thought? So now hear me out. You cannot, like if you're an inexperienced coach, you can't do it. You, you, you're not going to have close to a perfect program. Of course. But the closest you can get is to follow the different methodologies of mm-hmm. old Russian weightlifting coaches mixed with newer age throwing. And when I talk about throwing, I'm talking about focusing on the special strength aspect of development for Olympic lifting. And what's your, uh, what's your major, Will? I'm a marketing major. Yeah. So you wouldn't even learn about, even if you were in Kines or any type of exercise, you wouldn't learn anything about it. They don't teach it. Like yeah, I, the, I, not, not, not to say that the degree is kind of BS cause that's what my degree is, yeah. but it's like literally just the basic background stuff to do anything in that field. Okay. Yeah. That, but, that, that definitely makes sense. Yeah. But learning how to assign different special strength work and special strength literally means any type of variation from the classic clean and jerk and the classic snatch. Okay. And how they affect the full lift lift and what type of work regime they follow under. And this is where a lot of people get confused with Louis because Louis is very, very right with his methods, just Mm -hmm. not with his programming. And Louis did really good by powerlifting, but he hasn't had any weightlifters come to him. So he hasn't had 30 years to, to break them in half and figure out what works. Of course. And it really just goes into combining a system with which you can use multiple different methods because there are, if you want to talk about periodization, there are over a hundred different types of periodization. Of course. Yeah. Like, like so many. And all it is is just a means to gain an adaptation. Yeah. So it just comes with training age and assigning how much work they can do and what they need to focus on mm-hmm. and how tolerant the athlete is to work. So, like, well, right now you said you're like, you're also doing football stuff, but yeah. let, let's say your current work capacity at what you're doing right now in your programs. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be able to throw you on something high volume, like the hash program. No, no. And way. have you succeed. Yeah. No, because not. if you're, and because if you're only tolerant to lower volumes, it's a different program for that person versus someone who is very, very tolerant and gains adaptations better with high volume programs. Yeah. Well, and that, and that comes down to the fact that there's no such thing as a perfect program. Yeah. Like what is, what has worked for you and your development as, as an Olympic lifter might not work for me It all. It's all, like you said, adaptations and, and it's all processes and and developing into that, into adjusting to that, whatever you end up being accustomed to. And that's why, especially I've always recommended this and it's not to sound like elitist or uh, like an ass, but if you want to get really good at a sport, especially a strength sport, you have to work with a coach. Of you course. have to. 
Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, talk, I'm not talking about you want to compete recreationally. If you want to compete and do well, you are going to need a coach to identify and assess your needs mm-hmm. objectively. Because even with my experience, I still have a problem separating my subjective feelings from objectively what's going on or objectively what tasks I need to do to get better. Like one thing, like you, you'll see you doing snatch balances or overhead, like, like work in the snatch position. Yeah. Absolutely. Hate that. I hate it. I hate it. I can't overhead squat what I snatch. It's yeah. like 20 kilos under. I can't drop snatch what I snatch. Yeah. It's like 10 kilos under. Yeah. And that's a glaring weak point, And I have to almost have somebody to force me. Yeah. To actually, to actually do it and, and get it done because ultimately you need it, but you just, like you said, your strength numbers aren't there, which yeah. we do think that would, that would almost be like, this might be completely irrelevant, but you mentioning that, um, like you can't overhead squat what you can, what you can actually snatch. snatch. Um, like I've noticed with maybe this just because they've been lifetime lifters, but people who start Olympic lifting at, at a younger age or their first sport per se that they actually work towards and, and develop within is Olympic lifting um, can jerk more than they can clean. Whereas when it's been football players or like for me, I can't jerk nearly what I can clean. I can probably clean upwards of one, 170, 175, but I can't jerk more than probably 165. I will. I, I can, if, if I can clean it from any position, I can clean it from the floor. I'm always been a, like for the past five years, I've been able to pull over 700 pounds in a deadlift. I can clean it from the floor. I can clean 420 from the floor. Even from the rack, I can't jerk that or from the blocks. Yeah. I've just, My, I've never understood that. So it, it comes back to what the adaptation that the training yield is. So part of it is also that in football, man, I didn't jerk. No. I clean. Yeah. You just so you got better at that you, motor pattern. You drop it on the ground. You do your next rep. That's it. Yeah. And then second of all, the jerk is so weird and specific. Mm-hmm. You are not going to get a better jerk per se necessarily by doing heavy squats. Yeah. You're going to do get a better jerk by being able to quarter squat explosively because that's what a jerk drive is. Gotcha. So whenever, whenever you're selecting exercises like that, like if you suck at the jerk, you would have to take very good multiple slow-mo videos and see where your technical error would be. And if you don't see a technique error, error, that just means you suck at the dip and drive and you have to treat the jerk drives or jerk dips or jerk squats, whatever you are, pin drives, whatever you want to call them, just as you would the pulls and the clean and the snatch, because those supplement and make your lifts better because you're able to work super maximally. You can pull, you can do clean pulls and more than you clean, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. And jerk drives, jerk dips, whatever, like whatever the variation, they allow you to move in that position mm-hmm. quickly, more weight than you can jerk because I'm not going to train a jerk above what I can jerk. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. So that's part of it is it's not typically in a lot of programs and in every athletic program, even if you have the power clean, they're still, if it's not at least an RDL, they're doing some other form of lower body pulling. Mm -hmm. So that supplements it. And you'll always see like the snatch is kind of shaky. It just depends on the person's upper back and shoulder strength and mobility restrictions. But with a jerk, most people aren't limited in mobility. It's typically tendon strength, 
mm-hmm. and their ability to quickly transfer force from a deceleration to an acceleration. Gotcha. Gotcha. With that dip. Okay. Yes. With that okay. specific range of motion. Yeah. That definitely clears it up. I feel like I'm getting a full kinesiology lesson right now and I'm loving every second of it. Um, yeah. Also, I, I mean, I, I'm thinking about getting my master's in it, like going to pursue that, but I don't know. I don't know if I want to go to school more. I feel like if, I'm just better off just doing If you're not going to kill don't. I feel like I'm much better off just, just, I feel like you learn so much more. And I was talking about that with, uh, with Sam, shout out Sam LTR. Is it Sam LTR or TLR? Yeah, I think TL, I don't know. It's what, whatever. Shout out, Sam. Sam. shout out Sam. Shout out Sam. Um, I was, uh, I remember I was on this live the other day and we were talking about this and he was talking about how, uh, he's not even certified with USAW. I don't, so I've certifications are kind of bs they're not it, bs it, but like you need them to move forward in certain cons in certain contexts but um when it comes you need to them to work within usa weightlifting and that's it yeah that doesn't just because like i feel like like i took my usaw level one course and and it was great and i learned i learned a little bit you know mainly because i'm still i'm still young i'm only 19 and i've only been doing this whole actually been diving into USAW and, and only lifting for the past like two or three years. But I feel like I've, I learned more just developing as an athlete than I did in that level one course. So you also have to take into account who's teaching it and what level there are, yeah. there are three levels of courses you take and the last two, four and five are assigned yeah. by right. where they say your technical coaching abilities, not just at with your athletes, but also at, big meets because level four and five is when you start getting to national international coaching mm-hmm. that yeah. team USA. Yeah, I think they, I think they changed it too. I think, I think level three is a, you have to have um, national medalists. I yeah. Think. Now with, with level two, you can take level, level one two. and two at any point, yeah. but to have level three, you have to have some, have somebody medal at the open senior or youth level yeah. at national. Yeah. Which, which again, I, I, I do credits to USAW for that because that means to move up in the ranks, you don't just need a piece of paper that anybody could get. You know, any anybody could pay $500 and get their level one or level two course. But if you want to develop further as a coach within USAW anyways, you need to prove that you can produce athletes. But enough enough on that. Um, <laughs> again, shout out to Sam, whatever his at is. Um, I do want to touch on, I guess it's probably your uh, most – most controversial uh, uh, subject, the whole strength versus technique deal. So, and of course you need, you need a, to know how to clean and jerk and snatch to be able to build the strength. But when you have that technique established, what is more important? So it's a weird lever system, but when you look at the force velocity curve, the, the low end of the curve is only as high as the upper limits allow. So the way it works is up here, maximal strength, and you slowly get slower, lower and lower percentages of the maximal force you can produce until it curves into a C along the X and Y axis. Power and speed are at the bottom. Yeah. So as your max strength goes up, the whole curve shifts upward. Okay. So to be able to produce more power, you have to be stronger. But being stronger doesn't necessarily – sorry about the light – doesn't necessarily imply that you're more powerful being stronger right you still have to work to increase force output but because you can produce more force 
you have the ability then to train to become more powerful. So past a basic level, technique work will always be needed, but it will be included in the variations of special strength and in the full Olympic lifts. Okay. So basically you're saying there's, there is a threshold and you can grow that threshold. Jesus, my room's a fucking mess. Um, there is a and you can grow that threshold by increasing your strength because your technique is always going to be being worked on basically. Yeah. So, and a, a way to put it in more simple terms, if let's say like when I was in high school, I played defensive line and you okay. play, you, you're a lineman, right? Yeah. I play center. Doing lineman hand, doing lineman hand drills. How much better of a lineman do you say that makes you? A in game better. sense. If you're if, if I'm a defensive, I played D line in high school too. If I'm working technique and, and replacing, it'll make you better if you're at if you don't know how to use your hands in the first place. But once you know how to use your hands, it doesn't make you better. You're just reinforcing it. Yeah. Yeah, you're reinforcing. What makes you better is doing things at full speed, allowing mm-hmm. you to get that game sense. Now, whenever I say technique isn't as important, I mean in terms of a priority in the program. Yeah. So you wouldn't, as the D, as a lineman, you wouldn't do hand drills and starting drills the entire time and never do full contact and never do full tilt. Yeah, absolutely. But the important part is going to be the full out practices at above like 80% game speed of game speed. Okay. But, but you need those smaller sessions to be able to recover from the bigger ones. So the technique work will be there to reinforce and also to allow you to do something to progress, try to progress yourself mm-hmm. while you recover. Okay. So, so in transferring back to weightlifting, your, your technique specific work working at like 50, 60% is going to be that reinforcing, allowing you to recover that reinforcement that allows you to recover while you could be working on something else that could also improve in the future. Whereas it's more, but it's more important to work that, trying to find my words here those 80 percent plus clean and jerks and snatches are going to be more crucial and more important in your development yeah so like so looking back uh one of my favorite books uh the training of a a weightlifter Uh by uh uh, la roman it's Uh from like the 1970s and it's a study on like the data from like 10,000 soviet weightlifters Mm -hmm. and they and they back in you know the kind when it was ussr they had yeah. toe control of the athletes. They did whatever they told them, however they told them, and they got kicked out yeah. and, then, you know, went hungry, whatever. Mm-hmm. But as their training age shot up, so they started specializing in their sport between 13 and 16. As their training age went up, their average working intensity went up. So low-level, low-qualified lifters could progress working at 70%. As you went up, you had to get closer and closer to 100 it never, it never reached 90% as yeah. like average working weight, but it went from 70 to like low eighties. So that should show you that you have to work on the higher end of the strength threshold in order to be able to make progress as you get better. And I'm not saying like increasing your squat by hundred pounds means you're going to increase your clean and jerk proportionally, mm-hmm. but by not increasing your squat, you're not giving yourself a fighting chance. The better, the more years of training you have in weightlifting. Gotcha. Gotcha. Right. No, that, that definitely, that definitely makes, uh, makes total sense. Um, definitely makes, makes way more sense than, than I initially thought. Um, I was always, I was always, even before this conversation, like if I weren't 
a uh, if I weren't on the strength side, I would be now. But um, I would definitely say um, that helped me better understand it tremendously. Like, and I've I've noticed that too since I've started this uh, since I've started this training block. Granted, it's been it's been on the lighter side percentage wise, just because um, I was coming back oh. and my technique was so crash essentially. Um, I do, I have noticed though that working in, especially in my clean, um, for example, with football, I'm still working my hand clean. We never do. We never did cleans from the floor. Occasionally we do, but, but up this semester with our messed up training blocks and, and how COVID messed all that up, uh, the only cleans we did were hand cleans. And I was still working at probably, and, and, and again, this, this sucked because we would like work out for like a week. We'd get one week of a block in. And then we had like two athletes at our school test positive. And then we'd have to stop working out and we wouldn't be able to go in the weight room. It, it was horrendous. And, and honestly, I feel for my strength coach because he wasn't able to actually work with us and, and get us better. But anyways, um, back to the, what I was talking about, I was still working my clean. I was still working at probably 80, 85%. Um, and I definitely felt, and normally, normally in the fall, I wouldn't do that because we'd be in season actually playing. We didn't play this, this fall. Um, so I'm still working at 80, 85%. And I feel like my clean has just made tremendous jumps since, since this time last year, I was probably topping off at genuine max at probably like 155. And 155 is my full clean and jerk opener this Saturday. Like in, in the most I've cleaned at this point now, since I've been here, I think I hit, I think I hit 163 and even that shot up. So um, I definitely, definitely see where you're coming from with that. Good. So, um, and obviously this is just a case study and this is just obviously biased uh, confirmation bias data. Yeah. But I went this year, I think I went 22 weeks straight without doing an Olympic lift. And if I did, it was a power. Yeah. And like my squat went up, my, even my bench press went up. My, when my bench press went up, my jerk went up. I was never a strong bench presser. Mm-hmm. I'm just recently getting into the above, above 350 pound range. And high, in high school, I weighed 230 pounds. It could, couldn't bench press 400. Yeah. I mean, sorry, not 400, 300. Yeah, I was gonna say four hundred. I mean, no, <laughs> no, I couldn't bench press three hundred pounds. Like, okay, but, these Anna boys are strong. A, a lot of them, a lot oh, of them yeah. are strong, pretty strong here. They just don't do anything with it. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, what's his name? Uh, he's an offensive lineman at LSU right now. Um, homegrown. Uh, Cardell Thomas, if you know who that is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they have. They also have one of Hatch's. I feel bad calling him out. Uh, he played a little bit for LSU. He was one of the linebackers. He weighed – he was a linebacker uh, slash defensive end. He was 6'3", 280 pounds. Mm-hmm. God. Like, I feel bad talking about it. That's why I don't want to say his name. But he was such wasted potential at 23, 280 pounds. I think he full cleaned 210. I watched him full clean 210. And behind the neck jerk 220 for a double. Jesus. And, and a lot of that comes down to uh, just, just a LSU, 
but B, um, a lot of that I feel like could be contributed to high school too. Um, like I, I, I love my teammates and no shade to them, but I know some of them who are only working, who don't clean more than like 185 to 220. Yeah. Now to make it uh, absolutely clear as an, as a non weightlifting athlete, the number on your clean doesn't per se matter. Oh, no, no. Unless it matters to a coach. Yeah. Because it doesn't directly make you a better football player. But what it does teach you is force absorption and force deliverance mm-hmm. and rate of force development. Mm-hmm. So that gains the adaptation. So as they get better at it, it'll help them. Yeah. But the difference in them cleaning 200 to 300 won't improve their game as much as, say, getting faster. Yeah. Yeah. Because they could still working at working at lower weights, even if that's all they can do. Um, a, that – and that, that goes down back to the, the classic uh, statement, or at least I think it's classic. Just because you're strong in the weight room doesn't mean you're strong on the football field. Like, no. I know, and I know plenty of people that I went to high school with that are, are played against in high school that were monsters in the weight room, squatting 500, 600 pounds in high school and all this. But you step out on the football field and they can't move. They're not fast. They can't deliver a blow. Like, it doesn't mean anything unless you can actually apply it, you know. Man, in high school, I was, like, the worst because I was just a good general athlete, but I wasn't good at anything specific. I had no coordination. Yeah. I was 230, 235 pounds. I could run a 4'8". I could jump. My vertical was 33. Mm. But I wasn't super skilled at any sport I did. Yeah. I didn't excel. Well, that's why you found weightlifting. Yeah. It, uh, it works. And, and obviously I have a, I have a lot of bias in, in what I say, just because I am an Olympic lifter and I play football. So, so I like to think it's, it's hard to forget that, like what works for me and applying my, my strength to the football field will work for other people. Cause it's completely different for any, for everybody. Um, yes, but I, uh, let me see if there's anything else I wanted to cover. Um, Oh, I wanted to. I wanted to ask. Oh, actually, we answered that really with just what we just talked about 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 uh, football players. I think that's any everything. Um, unless there's anything else you really want to talk about, um, I got nothing else specific. All right. Uh, one thing I do want to say for everybody that's going to listen: mm-hmm. you're only as good as the books you read and the people you get your information from. There you go. I didn't really start to bloom as a coach until I started reading and seeking out knowledge that I hadn't previously known. Mm-hmm. And that's how you kind of learn how to do things on an individual basis and stop pulling from one system. Gotcha. Just because like, like we talked about, there's different types of athletes. There's explosive, non-explosive. You have quicks, like quick and slow, which are different from explosive and non-explosive. And then you have the high volume tolerant and the low volume like the high volume intolerant so going through different methods and how different athletes typically train and how to work with people of varying skill levels and backgrounds Mm -hmm. and being able to apply that information to those sports is invaluable even if you're reading about something that's not your specific sport yeah yeah actually that and and i i know that for sure my uh my offensive line coach actually recommended a uh 
it's called it's a book uh they talk about it uh pete carroll talks about it in, in a coaching podcast um it's something about tennis um, are you talking about pete carroll the defensive line coach the, the head coach of the seahawks but yeah yeah it's a right. uh what's it called uh i think i wrote it down i'm saying a peak i was thinking, peak. I was thinking of peak jeans the jeans. inner game of tennis it's all about separating your uh i i've yet to get the book I'm, I'm planning on getting it um it's all about just getting separating your mind from your body basically and how when you get into in-game situations whether it yes they talk about tennis universally applicable like applying it to weightlifting stepping up to the platform and not thinking about oh i need to i need to get tall and get up on my toes or i need to shrug more or whatever basic cue you can think of that that an athlete might be might be overthinking just forgetting all that yeah. relying on your training and just doing honestly the best way i can describe getting into that feeling because that's what i have anytime i played any sport anytime i did any kind of performance thing like with weightlifting or powerlifting mm-hmm. the second and you have to make a switch so the where i took this from was if you ever played basketball growing up you had a routine when you did free throws yeah you have to have that routine that turns on that mindset Absolutely. and that you follow and you have to do treat all of your heavy lifts like that too even in the gym i, I have the same routine I have, I chalk up, tighten my belt, and I have a foot stomp, and I go up, mm-hmm. and that's it. I stop thinking because you can't. You, you can't think. You have to react and trust in your training because mm-hmm. if you think in most sports, like bar weightlifting and football, you don't have time to think. You just have no. to do. Yeah. And it's the same in basketball. It's the same in any other sport that is fast paced, that isn't just long distance running. Mm-hmm. 100%. 100% agree. 100% agree. I have my own. Granted, it would probably help me when I'm working, uh, when I'm working at like 90, 90 plus percent. Um, I have my own little, little pre-lift routine on a pla- at least in competitions. I always bless myself. I slap my thighs. I spin the bar with my hands and then I get set, get my starting position and go. Um, I used to stomp the shit out of my feet in high school. I don't know why it, it got me fired up for some reason, like both feet. I would grab the bar with my hips still in the air and just start stomping away. I don't know. It worked in high school, and then I got into really lifting, and I realized stomping that much kind of like I've I've seen your your little stomp. That's different. I'm talking. I would grab the bar and like, yeah, shit out of the ground, and then I realized <laughs> this is this is uh this is tiring my legs out. Uh, this is not gonna work with uh real heavy weight. So I kind of well, adjusted that. Another thing is you can't treat the competition weight special or different. If you go in there, assuming it's going to weigh 300,000 pounds, mm-hmm. it's going to feel like 300,000 pounds, even if it isn't, wasn't supposed to that day. Yeah. 100%. You have to treat those, all the 90% plus lifts the same, whether it's in or out of competition. Mm-hmm. And it, like you said, where you, you kind of slap your thighs to get in the zone, or I have that little stomp. Mm-hmm. That's a perfect transition point where you just don't think the training is done. Your coach has selected your attempts and put you in the best position to make to give yourself a good point, the good points on the leaderboard. Yeah, and take whatever placings you need to take. Yep, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I think on that note, I think that's a great, great way to wrap it up. Um, 
shout out to Luke for, for hopping on this podcast for me. Uh, at, is it just Luke Dalberg, all one word on TikTok? Honestly, I'm not sure. I think so. <laughs> uh, we'll, go, we'll go for that. If I, I don't know how many Luke Dalbergs there are on TikTok. So just look, I don't think there's many. Look, look him up. They'll, I'm sure he's the only one who's lifting heavy-ass weight. Um, so shout out to you, man. I appreciate you being on here. And, I appreciate uh, the invite. Of course. That's it.